Chappie the British butler, and I do need some counting lessons. I need the count from Sesame Street to uh, come along and say, Chappie, you need to learn how to count properly. It's 31, ah, 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 ah. 32, ah, ah, ah. It's episode 32, ah, ah, ah. Um, I made a terrible, terrible boo-boo. I made a real goose of myself last week, and I got the numbers wrong. So we've got two episode 29s, one episode 30. Um, and this should be episode number 31. No, it's not. It's actually episode 32. So I went back and uh, retallied everything. I recalibrated everything. I uh, got my abacus out and everything ship-shape and Bristol fashion now. And it's actually episode uh, 32. And you're very, very, very pleasantly welcome uh, to the podcast. Welcome along to the program uh, that will uh, entertain you and thrall you and probably make you very curious and probably very confused over the course of the next hour or so. Um, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about this week uh, is safe social distancing trick-or-treating. Um, also uh, talking about Maggie, how she's uh, like a bull at a gate. Um, some of the weirdest uh, sport was on the television yesterday, uh, cornhole throwing. I don't think some of our uh, European listeners would have uh, ever, ever, ever heard of that. Is it okay for men to wear Wellington boots? Um, is it also okay uh, to um, look like the Michelin man in the back? Um, some of the things we may or may not be talking about also. Queen of the Ocean Shark is tagged in Nova Scotia. And then we have uh, also Climbing Snowden, uh, developing a survival strategy, the best scotches to buy. Uh, Daniel Craig's first martini left him shaken, a memory about a bond roll. Puppy dog eyes look straight through you. Uh, we have neurologists show our brains are built to talk over class barriers. Uh, and also uh, the love of turmeric. Seriously, it's God's wonder golden drug. Um, America running scared of the satire show Spitting Image. We have uh, Henry VIII's love life with a satirical letter from the Antichrist. And um, how to befriend a cat in the blink of the eye. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to fit all this stuff in, are we? Uh, Oliver Mabel, the Labradors that broke the internet. Um, get your grip on statistics and you can illuminate the world. We have some scallywag darts. We have some medieval or historical Tinder coming along the way. We have an enigmatic English eccentric also. Uh, so it's a really packed to the rafters today. I don't know how we can fit it in. It's like a, a suitcase that needs a, a belt around the back of it, you know, to hold it in, to hold everything in. It's like my belt, you know, with the, uh, with the rather rotund beer belly. Uh, peeping over the top here. That's how much we have packed into the show today. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, it is, let me say again, episode 32 of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. So we're completely um, beyond Shark Week, um, but sharks are the headline news always. They always make the headline news, whether it's Shark Week or not. 
not their you know bargain banger stories that you can you know you, you can guarantee to sell newspapers and get people to click and read articles without a doubt um but the queen of the ocean shark is tagged in nova scotia after reigning for 50 years a 17 foot female shark believed to be more than 50 years old has been caught and tagged off the coast of nova scotia by a team of researchers who said it was one of the largest they have seen in the northwest atlantic the great white weighing about 1.6 tons was caught and guided aboard a ship's platform that lifted it up like a pickup truck at a garage uh, for the team of marine biologists to conduct examinations. She was big as anything we've ever dealt with, said Chris Fisher, founder of uh, Oath Research, uh, a shark research organization that's been tagging and examining sharks since 2007. We have worked with about 10 sharks of that size in other parts of the world. The diver who stood alongside it on the platform did not appear to be much taller than the height of its thin. Mr. Fisher, 51, said the shark was probably the same age as him or older. You can see all the scars over the years, all the wounds that have healed, the scars made by seals as it's eating them. It's really like the animal telling you the story of its life. I guess it's like a tree trunk with the rings and you can tell how old it is and the story of its life if it's been for a drought or whatever. But that's absolutely fantastic. You know, you've got a 50-year-old shark out there that's uh, that's been the queen of the ocean for so many uh, so many so many fantastic years. I do actually have a whole uh, week of uh, of um, Shark Week shows that I haven't even watched yet. It's very very exciting. I think it's something to leave maybe to Thanksgiving or Christmas when you have plenty of time to uh, go on a shark marathon, one after the other, Air Jaws, followed by uh, Snoop Dogg swimming with sharks, Mike Tyson bruising a shark's mouth, knocking it out in ten rounds, something along those lines. That's certainly on the uh, going to be on the Oki before uh, before um, Thanksgiving or Christmas, I think. So trick or treating, Halloween. What are we going to do this year? I haven't even bought a big uh, a big box or a big bag of um, uh, sweets and uh, candy to to give out to the um, to the uh, auspicious trick or treaters that'll be popping around the neighbourhood. I'm sure uh, come uh, come the next few days and uh, you know, around Halloween. Um, but the question is, I mean, what are we going to do? Because you know we have to remain socially distanced. So. I did come up with a fantastic chappy invention. And the invention is this. Social distancing, safe to social distancing, trick-or-treating. The way we can do it is if the trick-or-treater and the uh, person at the front door with the snacks, with the candy, if they both have skeletal hands, that's uh, that's on a, maybe a long stick or something along those lines. A skeletal hand attached to a long stick, similar to when one was shaving and manscaping my own back a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, on top, you know, on 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 the skeletal hand, you have a surgical glove, and the surgical and and you can use the you know use the um, either the people can lay the candy across the hand. Or you could have some sort of pincer move it where you pick up the candy, you know. Maybe a bigger hand you could get more candy. But yeah, the surgical gloves on there to protect it, so there'll be no transferring, and you just exchange one skeletal hand to the other, passing the candy over, almost like a baton. And then, uh, and then you put it into your bag, full of candy, and get on your way. That would be 
you know, six foot long skeletal hand would be perfect social distancing this Halloween. So Daniel Craig's first martini uh, left him shaken memory about the Bond role. So Daniel Craig's response to hearing that he had just landed the part of James Bond was to drink half a bottle of vodka before continuing his binge in a Baltimore bar. So it may be unsurprising that his version of how the news of his casting broke, including blaming his mother for giving it away, must be hazy. The actor said uh, and told the Times that calling his mother Olivia Blonde that that, uh, then confirmed the news that a reporter congratulated her. The actor suggested to viewers on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon that uh, the London Times broke the story rather than the Sun or the Liverpool Daily Post. I told my mother then she, uh, that, that then got done by the press, but she got very tight-lipped, he said, speaking as the first release date for the next Bond was pushed back to April. She got a phone call from the London Times who said, you must be very proud. Of course I'm proud. That's all they needed. And it became Daniel Craig's mum announces Bond. When you think about it, it's not a bad way to get announced, really. Um, the actual chain of events to report its casting was in the Sun, April 6, 2005. The article cited sources at the film production company Eon rather than his mother. It was not until April the 7th the same newspaper quoted Mrs. Blonde, who's married to the uh, artist Max Blonde. The name's Bl- and, and I think one of the articles of my name's Blonde, James Blonde, because of Craig being blonde. Um, I'm stunned. I'm really at a loss of what to say. The story was not confirmed until October the 13th, the day before the official announcement in the Liverpool Daily Post got in. Um, and, then, and then I believe that he, um, he was in Whole Foods at the time with a shopping cart with deodorant and washing up liquid, doing his weekly shop. So he pushed down the aisle uh, to the liquor section and bought himself a bottle of vodka, vermouth and a glass. The actor who's never previously had a martini drank half a bottle of vodka before deciding to have one made professionally by a barman. And I sat and made, uh, I sat and must have drunk another three martinis at the bar. And I must have been smiling ear to ear. And the guys kept saying, what's going on? You're in a good mood. And uh, and I said, listen, you'd be, you wouldn't fucking uh, believe it if I told you. Anyway, so... That was the story of uh, of, um, of Daniel Craig getting Bond, the Bond role, and I wonder, I wonder if the barman made him a Vespa, a special drink, the gin, the gin martini that uh, that Vespa Lynn uh, suggested and made for him. I wonder if it was that. But anyway, three martinis, good chap. I'd be on my ass if I uh, if I had probably three martinis. Uh, and always go for the clean, not the dirty. So apparently, puppy dog eyes look straight through you. The canine brain isn't wired to recognize faces, but man's best friend has sniffed out a way. So the next time a dog gives you a soppy look, don't be fooled. As far as the deep workings of the canine brain are concerned, it might as well be staring at the back of your head. As befits a species that greets others of its kind by sniffing their bottoms, the brain of a dog does not recognize faces. While a large part of the human brain lights up in recognition when a person sees another facial feature, scientists have found that a dog's remains largely inert. The feature, the results add to the uh, research suggesting that dogs struggle to recognize their owners from faces alone. Instead, they appear to rely on alternative cues such as smell and sound. We found no dog brain regions that seem to be attuned to care about faces. 
We think dogs do care about faces, actually. They've learned to care about them. But unlike in people, we don't see a specialised face recognition brain region. The findings are familiar, uh, uh, findings are familiar and a reminder that various animals experience the world in different ways. Dogs pant and sniff their way through a universe of sense and chemical signals. Previous research showed that they can struggle with the nuanced visual cues. But I think dogs actually see in black and white, don't they? They don't actually see in colour and it's actually a little bit blurry. That's why, um, that's why George, Maggie and Jack um, go about um, sniffing ones behind and the crown jewels to see who it is. That's how they identify it. It's from the uh, smell of the uh, posterior and uh, and uh, and the meat and two veg. That's how they or or the lady alternative. Um, that's how they um, that's how they that's how they know who the owner is. I think it's not recognizing the face. They're not they're not like an Apple uh, iPhone facial recognition. They have a uh, a, a butt and uh, and uh, ass and. Uh, and meat and two veg recognition instead of the uh, facial recognition. That's how it works with a dog. So every country has bizarre sports and activities it plays. I mean, in the UK, we have cheese rolling competitions where you uh, roll around cheese down a hill and it's a competition and see who ch whose cheese gets to the bottom of the hill first. Um, you know, and then the French play batonque, the bowls where you uh, toss it out the back of your hand into sand. Um, English play crown green bowls, where very similar. You you know, pitching the ball to a little um, little white ball in the centre there, and whoever gets the closest. But anyway, along the same lines, and I mean, uh, NBC NBC Sports must be bereft of uh, of any sport on at the moment, or something along those lines, because on NBC Sports yesterday, they were broadcasting cornhole throwing. You know, the, the commentators were describing the rough versus the smooth side on the bean bags, uh, and the aim is to get the bag of beans into the holes. I think you just have to make sure you don't get the beans above the frank. So, as I preach and plead and celebrate very often on the podcast here, turmeric is a sports style secret weapon. I mean, we should. I should be sponsoring. It should be keep calm and cauliflower cheese sponsored by turmeric. It'd be yellow cauliflower then, because as I said before, once you get yellow on your fingers or probably the cauliflower florets, then uh, you'll never get it off. So it'd be it would be a yellowy cauliflower cauliflower floret at that point, I think. So Thomas Howe Robson Canoe was 17 when a savage challenge almost ended his fledgling football career. A series of operations in his cruciate knee ligament followed, said the West Bromwich Alban Premier League player, as consuming anti-inflammatory drugs so regularly I started passing blood in my urine and suffering constant nausea. I told by the doctors my chance of full recovery was unlikely. After a training session during which Robson Canoe was reduced to tears by the pain, he, um, his father began researching natural anti-inflammatory ingredients. We found evidence that raw, fresh turmeric, root pineapple and pomegranate juice might help inflammation and other ingredients like uh, raw pepperine, found in black pepper, flaxseed oil, boosted uh, absorption of the active compounds in these foods. His mother began blending experimental shots that were really strong. He found that his pain and joint restrictions started to fade. 
That blend was sustained by Robson Canoe ever since. And not just him, his pre and post training habits of knocking back shots drew the attention of his fellow professionals. And he turned his cottage industry into commercial business, the Turmeric Company. His uh, client lists include Liverpool, Everton, Crystal Palace Football Clubs, Leicester Tigers, um, and uh, you can buy it through uh, Plant Planet Organic. Is a food not a medicine intended for natural maintenance, not billed as a cure. Um, we've seen significant improvements in rehab uh, rates amongst muscular tendon and joint issues where turmeric has been taken in tandem with physiotherapy. I think it's wonderful. I really do. It cured my IBS, literally. I, I, I you know, I, I couldn't couldn't go running, couldn't go on a long walk for fear of um, of uh, having a, a wild poop somewhere. Um, and you do not want a wild poop, and they do not supply um, uh, bags like they do for dogs for humans in those situations. So turmeric is a, is a wonderful thing, and uh, and it really does uh, cure the ails in one's belly. If a storm's brewing down below, then uh, then the turmeric does uh, does really really help, and I highly 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 recommend it. So one of our favorite champs on the podcast is Henry VIII. So the gentry ridiculed Henry VIII's love life with a satirical letter from the Antichrist, a savagely satirical letter uh, purporting to be from the Antichrist to Henry VIII has been uncovered, revealing how the king's subject uh, secretly ridiculed his break from Rome and his serial marriage. Missive allegedly from Balthazar, emperor of Babylon and the steward of hell, has been dated by its finder, Matthew Dimmock of the University of Sussex, at the time of the breakdown of Henry's wife, uh, Henry's marriage to wife Anne of Cleves in, 19, uh, in 1540. In it, the emperor is also styled by the grace of Manude, king of kings, the flower of all of the whole world, offers Henry the hand of his daughters in marriage with eight million gold pieces, extensive eastern realms, and the true cross. Professor Dimmock said surviving version of the letter which is discovered in a bound uh, miscellaneous uh, area at the British Library, is the Elizabethan copy of the lost manuscript that would have been passed around uh, clandestinely by members of the gentry. He said that references to Babylon and hell and the titles recalling those Muslim sultans would have strong associations with the Antichrist of Christians of the period. At this moment, Henry had married Anne of Cleves in an attempt to firm up a union with the Protestant princes of the Low Countries, and it had gone disastrously wrong. The short-lived marriage famously culminated in an annulment. Henry had agreed before the wedding to waive Anne's planned dowry of 100,000 florins. Um, the, the professor of early modern studies added, this letter seems to be a commentary on, uh, on that kind of a joke uh, of what Henry would do next. He has one divorced wife, he has executed the next, the next marriage had failed, and he's going uh, to find another bride from, it sounds like Donald Trump's uh, lineage here of marriages. And now the Protestant Cleves Union had fallen through. The next stop is the Antichrist. He added, especially for someone who's not sympathetic to Protest uh, Protestants, you can see the satirical step from the Protestant Cleves Union to, a, in a, to an Islamic or Antichrist Union would have been a funny one in those days. It's a savagely satirical take on Henry VIII's reign and in particular his many marriages. It suggests that the situation with the king's love life had become so ridiculous he might as well marry the Antichrist's daughter. Oh, poor old Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, I am. Henry VIII, I am. So, 
So there we go. A letter from Beelzebub himself to King Henry. Many people, I think, thought Henry was probably pretty close to the Antichrist and Beelzebub. He was a fine, strapping young lad, though, in the beginning. He was a Renaissance man uh, who loved sport, reading, uh, had a lot of intellectual curiosity, and then he became a bloated toad. So have a listen to last week's episode where we did feature Get Ya Booty to the Poles, where we got some Atlanta stripping uh, strippers um, trying to persuade their clientele to go and vote. Um, then it made me think about uh, needing a sausage roll, a meaty sausage roll, a flaky sausage roll, so good for my soul. Um, I, I, I can't imagine you could actually eat, I was thinking about this afterwards, a sausage roll while spinning on a pole. There would be meat and or vegan meat and pastry everywhere. But you know what? It's the perfect food to take to the polling booth with you. You could have a sausage roll in your pocket as you vote. It could warm your hands. You could warm your hands on the meaty vessel and it could give you sustenance on a very stressful day. So I know some of you devout listeners out there love a Kim Jong-un story. So Kim Jong-un's quest for sanction-busting Danish bull semen. With oil, cognac and precious US dollars smuggled in and coal, sand and weapons heading in the opposite direction, North Korea has found an even more ingenious way to slip through the net of UN sanctions. Yet an undercover sting by a chef and a former drug dealer from Copenhagen has revealed a more exotic item on Pyongyang's black market shopping list, premium Danish bull semen. In the apparent hope of bettering his country's cattle stock, a senior North Korean diplomat in Sweden asked the spies to help him obtain a variety pack of bovine sperm, according to Mads Brugger, the documentary's maker who masterminded the amateur espionage. I imagine Mads Brugger sounding, Mr. V, the secretary of the embassy in Stockholm, wants the mole to acquire samples of Danish beef cattle semen from various breeds. The right containers for transportation, and then we'll get it to the embassy in Stockholm so we could take care of it and take it to Pyongyang. It was an absurd discussion. It's not in the film, because people would definitely think it has to be fiction. Ordinarily, bull semen is used to artificially inseminate in cows. It's uh, typically sold for less than 15 uh, pounds a dose, but samples from most uh, sought-after specimens can command prices of as high as £4,000. The detail is one of the most peculiar fruits of the investigation that ostensibly penetrated the regime's, I love that, you wouldn't want a bull penetrating anything, I think, um, penetrated the regime's sanctions of Asian missionary over 11 years ago. So you've got Kim Jong-un, um, trying to smuggle in uh, bull semen. Now, you know, what's a bull semen variety pack? You know, do you have some semen from an adolescent bull, some semen from maybe a, maybe an older sort of uh, a slightly uh, moody type of uh, bull who's towards the end of his, uh, his mating life? Um, do you have a rampant frisky bull semen? I mean, can you choose it? I mean, is it like a, you know, a, a, like a Halloween, you get a, like a candy multi-pack. You can uh, choose your flavors of bull semen. I mean, is it, does it, does it, does it, does it go down that far? I mean, and how do you, how does one obtain the bull semen? 
I mean, could you use the skeletal hand to uh, to uh, rub the bull's penis and, and obtain the semen that way? I wonder. I mean, I mean, maybe the skeletal hand could hold the vial and then get the semen into the vial potentially. But anyway, I, I mean, the mind boggles what a semen variety pack would be and how would you get the semen from the bull in the beginning. I would like to see Kim Jong Un trying to get semen from a bull, though. I think that would be absolutely, uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, and uh, one of his uh, one of his own missiles might even in, explode in his own face. So we've got some of the quotes of the week. Uh, Women are in general more capable of intellectual humility. TV mathematician Hannah Fry suggests female leaders have better have been better at tackling COVID-19. If you want a long marriage, separate toilets is essential. Life advice from broadcaster Mariela Frostrup. To do a guest appearance in The Simpsons is pretty much like going to Buckingham Palace, except it's not quite as funny, says Monty Python's Sir Michael Palin when he received the knighthood from Prince William. I think it's important to rebel all the time. The actress Lily James speaking before she was spotted kissing fellow actor married man Dominic West. I was getting a little tired of writing comical travel books uh, predicated on the idea of me being an idiot. Author Bill Bryson, who just retired. So some of the questions to you ladies and mantelpieces out this this week. Has anybody tried the gloopy chicken tikka sandwich? Um, so it's a curry in a, uh, in a roll um, that's being sold in the UK at the moment. Uh, and it's described as gloopy by a very famous uh, restaurant critic. I don't know about curries. I mean, you have to have, to hold a curry, you need some sort of like firmer vessel. Not a not a floppy piece of bread. That's not going to do it with the tikka, I don't think. Um, are jetpacks and air taxis uh, the future of uh, personal transportation? Um, I think I still prefer walking, and I can walk faster than I bike. Um, why why we're still dreaming about plane food, aeroplane food? So apparently, Finnair has started selling versions of its flight meals to eat at home and a few tips for recreating the long-haul experience in a living room. So bland potato puree, stringy chicken, and an identified dessert with a thick layer of gelatinous custard. For as long as air travel has been affordable to the masses, we've been complaining about the food. But what fools we've been? Because now we're largely grounded. Doesn't the thought of a bread roll and a cellophane get your heart racing? Wouldn't you kill for a plastic half cup of orange juice with a foil lid. Wouldn't you love to wrestle with the wrapper of a square inch of mystery cheese for the last time? So the deep yearning that Finland's national airline is now tapping into its latest enterprise. Uh, it's an admirable effort to keep its kitchen staff in work. Finnair is turning its business class menu into ready meals to be sold in supermarkets. So the taste of Finnair would be a fusion of Japanese and Nordic cuisine. Products including reindeer meatballs, uh, Arctic char, teriyaki beef, at 12 euros a pop. It already sounds like nothing that you've already eaten on the flight, um, especially on somebody uh, on a flight like EasyJet. So, I, I mean, I remember, and this put me off plane food, and this is why I buy a sandwich at the airport now and I don't eat on the aeroplane. I remember getting spam on the aeroplane in the 1980s. I don't know if it was Pan Am or something like that. But it was the most chewy, I mean, it was like I could, I could have chewed my belt and uh, got more sustenance, and uh, it'd probably be better for my teeth. Aeroplane food is awful. Now, you know what, though? I do want to see if I can get some reindeer meatballs from somewhere. It sounds very festive. 
So more chronicles from Maggie the Corgi. So earlier in the week, um, Maggie um, has a few annoying habits as a puppy. You know, she's a puppy, so you have to forgive her a little bit here. So she loves to dip her feet in the water, especially she's been digging the garden. She goes and almost gives herself a little uh, foot soak. And then she just runs around the house, leaving a little pitter pat of footprints everywhere after uh, uh, with a little bit of mud on there as well. But she just got it off. And then she just polluted the other dog's water with muddy feet. But the best thing in the week was, um, you know, these corgis with their little short legs, uh, you know, are, are built like the Hulk. And she uh, she charged like a bull at a gate. Um, literally, she charged at the gate, the baby gate, and she knocked the baby gate down. She knocked it from the wall and charged through the gate. I've never seen anything like it. It was it was a it was it was something like uh, it was honestly like watching a Marvel movie. It was look, looking like the Hulk, incredibly angry, just as he turned from Bruce Banner, um, probably because he you know, didn't get his uh, burger and fries or something along that line. That's, that's how, that's how she was. It was, uh, it was ridiculous. So anyway, um, I, I, I did quickly get my phone out and I, and I managed to get a recording of, uh, of Maggie, um, charging at the gate and then smashing the gate down. She's ferocious, I tell you. So the social dilemma strikes again. If you haven't seen the show, I'm, I'm going to be going on about this because I seriously think technology is stalking me right now. So I got another advertisement on Instagram. I'm at Keep, on, at Keep Cheese, by the way, on Twitter, if anybody wants to follow me on there. Well, I put up the podcast and uh, sometimes some uh, eccentric, eccentric banter, nonsense, and uh, and drivel. Um, but anyway, so there was a picture again last week. There was a gentleman with a cable knit cricket sweater on, tucked into his jeans, and they're trying to sell me this this outfit. This week, though, I saw a long trench cable knit funnel net sweater. Um, and the gentleman was wearing very large uh, tortoise shell um, shades, uh, almost looking like Elizabeth Taylor in her prime. And, and I thought, you know, I want that outfit. I have the shades. I need a long trench coat funnel neck um, cable knit sweater or cardi. I think I'd be a true wintertime fashionista at this, at this rate if I could find that outfit. Okay, so we have another enigmatic English eccentric. Lord North was another remarkable eccentric. He was married in September and spent his honeymoon in the Caribbean. When he returned with his new American wife to Burgholt House in England in October, he announced to his wife that he was going to bed. His wife was very surprised when he remained in bed for many days and was shocked to be told by the manservant that Lord North always stayed in bed from October the 9th until March 22nd. Uh, a large 25-foot dining table was brought into Lord North's bedchamber so he could entertain people to dinner during these months. Lord North's explanation for this bizarre behaviour was that no Lord North had got out of bed from October to March since his ancestor had lost the American colonies. 
I mean, didn't you think you'd get bed sores? I'd be worried about um, crumbs in the bed, as I talked about the other week with the shredded wheat in the, in the bed. Um, how about the candles? Would that, you know, you could burn, burn the sheets there. Um, would, you know, how did they, did they get out of bed to wash the sheets, I wonder? I mean, uh, how do you get rid of all that stain and dirt and umsker on the bed sheets without getting out of it? I mean, did, did somebody raise him above and quickly change the sheets or something along those lines? Anyway, that's another enigmatic English eccentric on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. So a quick question. I'm just going to move in close to the microphone here. A quick question to you, the listener out there, the podcast listener. So should men or even British men ever wear Wellington boots? Is other damn things allowed in America. Is it legally allowed in America for men to wear Wellington boots? Either the insulated boots with a fluff around it or just a plain boot. Is it okay? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, thinking, about, um, I'm thinking about launching and wearing Wellington boots this winter because I'm sick of getting my feet wet. Every other shoe seems to let water in. So I'm thinking about doing the insulated American, uh, sorry, the Wellington, not the American boot, the Wellington boot, um, named after the Duke of Wellington and worn at the Battle of um, Waterloo. Is it allowed? Could I get away with this? And should I tuck the my, my trouser into the top of the boot or should I let the trouser flail down the leg so it doesn't look quite like a Wellington boot? Big questions. <laughs> Alright then, love, we've got some Skellywig Dots. Yeah, so uh, here we go. We look at the most heinous uh, headline crimes of the week in, uh, in Skellywig Dots again this week. Um, so uh, we try to equate it to a darts game. So missing the board this week, a uh, man catches exact moment, electrician notices hilarious sign on the wall. Um, when it comes to home decor, this man has the perfect sign hanging his home, but he's left in stitches after capturing the hilarious moment his electrician noticed while installing the oven. Tom Knight went viral on Twitter. The sign says, all straight men must be supervised by a homosexual man at all times. Uh, so that's, uh, that's missing the board uh, this week uh, on, uh, on Skillywig uh, Dance. So, uh, yes, so I think we've got our bullseye of the week. Woman's photo goes viral after friends spot unfortunate reflection in the mirror. Connie White shared a picture on Instagram before friends took the comments uh, to point out the hilarious photo fail that's gone viral uh, and uh, said it was too funny not to share. A woman innocent post on Instagram has gone viral after she failed to spot a very unfortunate reflection in the mirror behind her. Connie White from Falkirk, Scotland, posed for a photo wearing a red dress and standing in front of a mirror at her flat on Saturday night before uploading the snap to social media. But it wasn't until others uh, uh, took a look at the picture and left messages on the comments that the 22-year-old uh, realised something was wrong about the image. The uh, mirror behind Connie reflected the back of her ankle and foot and appeared to be between her legs. It looked like she had a uh, third rather inappropriate leg. To be frank, it looks like she had the uh, full Sunday roast, meat too veg, and a little pudding too. So we're going uh, a little bit backwards this week. So our triple 20, uh, innocent TikTok dance video goes viral after viewers spot X-rated detail in the background. A TikTok video, three friends uh, taking on a dance challenge has gone viral 
after viewers spotted a rather X-rated detail in the background, the couple was uh, having a rather rigorous uh, nookie in the background as the uh, guys danced in the uh, TikTok uh, video. Um, looks like they are conducting the carnal cross-step in the background or the uh, passion pasadena. And we have Chappie's special prize. A dominatrix photograph leading man on a leash around a busy supermarket. A shopper captured the moment a woman play, uh, pulled a muzzle-wearing man around a supermarket by a leash while buying juice before the pair asked to leave the store. Um, apparently she would do anything for a snossage. Uh, she would freshen things up with a greenie. Uh, let's not talk about the little plastic bags they had to carry around. Uh, he was actually her pedigree chum. Yes, and uh, some of the stories that didn't make it into the uh, skillywig dots. Uh, Mum suggests cooking Christmas dinner the night before, and it's uh, and it's dividing opinion. I mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that would lead to dry uh, breasts, uh, floppy Yorkshires, and rock-hard Brussels sprout balls. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I have been thinking about this, though. I do love a carved slice of roasted turkey. I've been thinking about this now. We're getting into the season of the beautiful carved slice of roasted turkey. Um, absolutely delicious with some gravy on it. But let me ask you this. Is it a heinous crime to put that sliced turkey in between raisin bread? I think it is a heinous crime to put roast turkey into uh, into two slices of raisin bread. I think it sounds absolutely ab abhorrent. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, <laughs> we've got Zara Shopper warns over leather trousers after mortifying a moment in a restaurant. Julia Leonard discovered a pair of faux leather trousers from Zara came with an unexpected bonus feature. A video post in TikTok demonstrated the noise racked up. So as she uh, bends down and squats down, um, she, uh, and this, this, this was actually watched by uh, uh, 4 million viewers. Uh, as, she, as she bent down, it gave a rather rip-snorting uh, farting sound. Um, when she uh, leans down in the uh, in the uh, leather trousers, um, I mean, you, you could actually make you know these leather trousers into a human leather pant whoopee cushion. They might be good to wear. You know, uh, make everybody know. This is the key. Make everybody know of the, know of the design flaw. You know, when you start wearing the trousers, and then you can go along and fart at your, you know, as, as much as you like, and everybody will think that it's fake fabricated flatulence it's a genius idea let everybody know the design flaw and then they think it's just you know when you're leaning down it's actually fake uh, fake fabricated flatulence i'm sorry this is a rather farty edition of the uh, of the podcast this week and uh, do 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 apologize for uh, for that uh, I'll, I'll have to go and do a few hail marys later or something um but uh in the last article that didn't make it into that this week was man who farted in Uber ends up in court. Um, and the question I have, was this a force 10 fart on the Shitka scale or uh, did he just follow through? Now, I, I've been thinking again, always my entrepreneurial mind is working overtime here. We have toll roads and toll tunnels. Why don't we introduce fart tolling in Ubers? Any more than one fart each mile, you'll be charged $2 or a pound, depending on the exchange rate. I don't know if anybody's been watching the new Netflix show, Emily in Paris. I'm hearing mixed, uh, mixed opinions on it. I think I'm going to watch it, though. Um, but the key win in Paris 
for all of you travelers out there, when we can travel again, the key in Paris is to dress well. If you dress well and attempt to speak French, you'll do just fine. Don't wear sneakers or tennis shoes, not the white sneakers or the, or the ones that go halfway up your leg. And definitely do never, fashion police will come out and arrest you, never wear the dreaded fanny pack. So I know a lot of people had the, um, you know, the COVID-10, the COVID-10 pounds. I've got a rather, so I saw a picture of myself the other day. Um, and I thought, well, you, you look bloody good from the front. Bloody good. Good coat. A little bit of a, like a midlife crisis motorcycle jacket type of wax jacket thing going on. Good from the front. But, but, but from the back, I look like the Michelin man. You know, I've got rolls at the back. Great from the front. Uh, and I seem to, I don't know where it went. I'm going to look for it everywhere. I seem to lo have lost my ass in COVID. I don't know where the arse has gone. It got lost during COVID. So we've got our historical Tinder game again. And this week's contestant is Lugade, son of a bitch, high king of Ireland. Ireland's early medieval history is about as reliable as a meth-addicted babysitter. But according to the sources, we do have Lugade, and he ascended to the throne at Tara sometime around the year of AD 200. He was known as Matcon, which also means son of a bitch. Son of a hound, if you want to be literal. This was uh, originated when the infant Lugade suckled at the teats of a hunting dog, uh, belonging to his stepfather, uh, also known as Allied, Allied Nudir. Uh, Lugade grew up to be a quarrelsome young man, fighting alongside a rebel called Naman uh, against both Nudir and uh, High King Art MacCunin. When Nomad was killed, Lugade was sent packing to Scotland. Undeterred, he gathered an army before returning to slay King Art and take his crown in the Battle of Mag Mugmar, the Plain of Pig Counting. Uh, after adopting King uh, Art's uh, son, Cormac, Mark Con ruled for seven years before he was deposed by the ungrateful bastard. Lugade uh, returned to his stepfather, Alor's court, but the old man was not in a forgiving mood. Nudir had notoriously fouled teeth, and instead of a hug, he bit Lugade on the cheek. The infected wound festered for three days, when Matcon uh, attempted to escape, but one of, one of Allah's warriors caught up with him and speared him in the face. So I think we've got a bit of this going on here. A little bit of that going on. Um, you know, sounded a little bit like a, you know, a little bit of pig grunting, I think, here. Um, ultimately, uh, ultimately, he had none of this going on because he had his, uh, he had his, uh, he had his bad teeth. So there's none of the, none of the nookie going on here. But this was his, uh, his ultimate fate, I think. So we're nearly at the end of the podcast, but it wouldn't be Halloween if we didn't have a fireside butler ghost tale. The old ferry boat inn in Hollywell, Cambridgeshire. An isolated setting on the leafy banks of the Great Ouse River. A thatched roof over an ancient oak beams beneath, which massive Inglenook fireplaces blaze a warm welcome, combined to make the old ferry boat one of the Cambridgeshire's most atmospheric ends. Its stone floor is now hidden beneath a plush carpet, except that there's one rectangular slab of ancient granite which they would never dare cover, for beneath it is said to be rest the mortal remains of Juliet Tusley. Neglected by her lover Tom, the inconsolable girl is said to have hanged herself on March the 17th, 
in 1078. On finding Juliet swinging from the branches of the very oak beneath whose leafy boughs they had become courting in happier days, her grief-stricken lover cut her down and cradled the lifeless body in his arms. Having said his last sorrowful and poignant farewell, he buried her where she had died and marked the spot where the granite stone over the picturesque old inn now stands. But Juliet does not rest in peace, for every year on the anniversary of her tragic demise, her ghost is said to rise at midnight and float about the old rooms of the old inn, until the last knell of the midnight bells call her to the grave, where she disappears to sleep in peace for another year. Such is her posthumous fame that March the 17th is the night of the old ferry boat, the night when ghost hunters, and then just plain curious, come flocking in thousands to greet the appearance of the poor girl whose tragic end and subsequent nocturnal jaunts have helped make her one of Cambridge's most abiding annual fixtures. So there'll be more fireside ghost stories next week. Um, so so what, are, what, are, what do these things have in common? What are they? Hunter's Majestic, Bands, Cockets Red, Green Hair, what are they? They're actually all apples that uh, you can see at Blickling Hall right now in Norfolk in the UK. Um, I do love a Cox's Orange Pippin, I have to say. So some of the things that I've been thinking about, something that made me think in the week here. So the strangest things people do when they are drunk or high. So one of the oddest things that I, I know about, um, somebody who, whenever they got high, sung songs from Mary Poppins. Some of his favourites were Let's Go Fire Kite, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, obviously, um, and uh, Chim Chimney. And then he would do like the uh, chimney sweep sort of swagger dance. Um, very odd. Why would somebody sing Mary Poppins whilst they're high? Hmm. So we finish with a little excerpt from uh, a rather creepy Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Raven. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. It's been fantastic to have you here. I'm on all the platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn as well. Um, but uh, thank you for coming. And again, I'm glad I finally figured out this is episode 32 i do need the count to train me on my counting and numbers um but anyway to finish um i i guess sort of apropos nothing um join me again next week has anybody heard of a dog kidnapper with a slight sex addiction au revoir